Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories that will inspire you, educate you, and give you hope. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency located right here in downtown Chandler. I have two guests today for a, a very good topic. My first guest here is Rene Lopez, and I know him for being a part of the Chandler City Council from the year of 2015 to 2023. He also served twice as our vice mayor and is the co-founder of the organization CC's Hope Center that was established in 2017. My other guest is Leah Benson and she has served in the anti-trafficking sector for over 16 years prior as a CEO of a large nationwide nonprofit serving children ages 11 to 17 and she also is the co-founder of today's topic for CC's Hope Center. Please help me welcome my guests today, Renee and Leah. Welcome. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yes, and so I know the work that you've done in the community, and I just got to know you. And the topic that we're talking about is not a surprise to anybody. And being here in Arizona, we have a lot of big events taking place in the next few weeks. We've got your Super Bowl, we've got the golf tournament, we've got a car show. I think I'm even missing some stuff. And that brings people from all over of walks of life. And so I wanted to bring an exposure and education on human trafficking, sex trafficking. And I thank you both for giving me this opportunity because it is something that's sensitive. So I would like, uh, I'm gonna ask you, Leah, to give me, um, you know what, let me back up. I'm gonna give the mission statement. I forgot to give the mission statement. The mission of CC's Hope Center is to improve the lives and future of 18 to 24-year-old female victims of human trafficking and sex exploitation by bridging the gap in available services and support. That's a powerful statement. Um, and it's one that you can actually put yourself in a position where some people are like, why do you want to go there? So I'm going to ask you, Leah, because you have some history here of working with this particular field. Help me um, and anyone that sees this understand more about what it is this work that you are doing that helps these children. And I say children because 11 to 17, but this goes further than that. It does. Um, we serve um, many girls that are in the prevention area. Um, uh -huh. There's many, if you look at the stats for homelessness, over 35% of those children who are homeless have been trafficked. And so there are many criterias to trafficking, of which homelessness, as we know, is, is huge nationwide. Mm -hmm. right? And when we think of homelessness, some people will say it's just the people we see on the street, but that's not really the case in this particular situation. Uh, would you like to elaborate more on the CC's hope and mission? Well, and that's, and that's kind of what, where it came about, and that's how I got involved, um, being on the city council. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple of events that were going on around the city, and uh, again, I wound up getting exposed to uh, the prior organization that Leah was involved in. Mm -hmm. And when I, again, the first person, you kind of mentioned that people you know, kind of know sex trafficking is going on around the world and even in the United States, mm -hmm. but very few people think it's happening on my street right. or in my town. Right or my city. And yes, I was aware, like most people, of it going on, but uh, during uh, my exposure again with Leah and uh, many other events in downtown, and after being on the council, I asked my police chief about it. And they said, oh yeah, there's trafficking rings going on right now in downtown Chandler. 
And I was flabbergasted. I was like, oh, no, we need to do something about mm-hmm. this. So, I, again, in the city council, we got very involved, and I got really in deep with uh, the commanders and, and um, uh, a police chief to make sure that they had the resources they needed mm-hmm. to be able to combat it as best they could. Well, and I mentioned here, we've got these huge events. Mm-hmm. But when the events are not here, it's still going on. And the homelessness that you referred to, Leah, that has nothing to do with the people we see visually on the streets. These are young children, and, and I understand also that this is an age group that's not just 11 to 17. This is actually a specific group of 18 to 22? For 18 to 24 for 20, CCs, yes. Because we're there to help transition and pick it up uh, where other organizations, because again, those uh, children that are, are rescued, uh, they do become wards of the state, uh, depending upon again where their source may be. Uh, but they will uh, find other organizations or foster care systems and foster care homes. And there is a subsect within the foster care system that help um, special needs or when children have gone through trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will get caught there. And what we do is we're, and I refer to us a lot as the last net. So there's a lot of organizations out there within anti-sex trafficking that are awareness or helping with other services or rescue but once they've found a, uh, a survivor of sex trafficking, we're there to help them pick up the pieces and rebuild their lives. We're that last net for them to catch. You said to find them. Now that is a very traumatizing thing for a woman. I'm not gonna say that there's not that for men, but it's more common for the female. Mm-hmm. Um, be more specific on finding them because I don't think they're just gonna come to just somebody and say, I need help, please. Tell me how, this phrase finding comes about? So um, the average age of a woman that admits that she's been sexually abused is 50. 50? 50. 5-0. 5-0. That's just a few years before so. wow. they finally come to admit to the issue, right? And so a lot of girls that come to us will say, no, I'm not trafficked. I mean, what, what female wants to expose the fact that you know, she's been sexually traumatized. Yeah. That is, there's so many things that come with that from guilt to shame to you name it, right? The emotional trauma that comes with that is huge. And so many come to us and say, I'm not trafficked. And then you start to talk to them. We've taken in a girl right now because they, um, they have no boundaries. Some of these are seriously mentally ill mm-hmm. and have been diagnosed as such. Would they be mentally ill prior to that or because of this has made them that or maybe even amplified what already was there? You know, that I I don't know. Um, I know that we have two. One one is very bright, very bright. In fact, uh, we were, I was on the phone with her today and the questions that she asked, she's finishing her high school within one month. But if you ask her if she was trafficked, no, but she was, put in a trailer home, no electricity, no running water, was there for nine months. <gasps> wow. No food. No. And so when you ask her how she got to things, it's, well, my friend's on the street. Oh. Well, what happens on the street? How do you get things? You don't have dollars, Mm-mm-mm. right? There's exchanges. There's exchanges that happen. Yeah. yeah. And that's the evolution also a lot of people, and, and I personally am discovering, and. It is evolution within uh, this demographic. We're discovering um, that the, uh, 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 the unorthodox, uh, the self-trafficking that's occurring, that they're realizing even though some of these girls and women, they could be 
they say quote unquote rescued, but they may be uh, out from underneath a pimp or from somebody else's control, mm -hmm. they still view it as their body is a commodity to be able to be exchanged to. Like oh we just goodness. mentioned couch surfing, you know, it's not that they're homeless, but they're exchanging favors uh, mm -hmm. for you know, food or for housing or mm -hmm. for transportation. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a form of, of self-trafficking. And so that's why we have stepped in. Again, a lot of our programming as we go into uh, what we do to help these young women is to make sure that they understand that, again, they have more value than just what their body can offer. Um, now, I know, Renee, you are all about statistics. <laughs> so give us some statistics on this. Uh, yeah, so uh, as one of the big ones that Leah mentioned was, again, homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's a very, very short period of time that I think it's within 24 to 36 hours that a uh, any person on the uh, that is on the street will be approached by a trafficker. So it's very quick. They may immediately get into it, but they want to be getting approached very, very quickly. Uh, some of the other, you know, confounding statistics are again a lot of sex trafficked children. Uh, a lot of them, it's almost I think it's in the order of 40 percent, uh, will be trafficked by either a guardian or a family member. Um, we've had an example here in the valley where. Uh, there was a, a traffic child and, and the actual mother kind of knew about it and our own PD got involved um, because she thought there was nothing wrong with it and they wanted to come in through the schools because she herself had been abused in traffic. So it, was so a lack it of became a culture. It became a culture of abuse that they mm -hmm. perpetuated down generationally. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why, again, with CCs, that's why in our programming too, it is a little more difficult because um, the age demographic we're dealing with is a little older, so they have to make a conscious decision to want help and mm -hmm. to seek uh, guidance. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also to break that cycle of abuse mm -hmm. and of violence and again, understanding that, again, they, they have value. So you have a, a house, a facility. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more, Leah, about what this happened? We don't need to say where it's at. That, that's nothing I would ever want to do as far as exposure, protecting these young ladies. Um, give me or give us a, a scenario or a, a visual of what it is that this house has to offer these ladies. I, mean, I don't know if you want to talk about how many rooms, what you guys provide, if you give resources for them to get back up on their feet and get self-esteem. So what, one of our programs is that um, we are working to help establish life skills mm -hmm. because there's gaps in their life skills, depending on when the, the trauma started, is where their growth stopped. And so if the trauma happened at 13, someone could be 23, but their emotional state is 13. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of gap there sometimes in life skills that we have to fill. And so we work with that. We collaborate with many people in the community who are experts in those fields that come in and provide that. Uh, they work with them from a physical perspective to help create some skill sets that when they're triggered, they can emotionally figure out how to de-escalate themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they're taught nutrition uh, based on their budget. Most of them start at a minimum wage somewhere. And so how do you keep yourself healthy through that process? You talked about minimum wage. I'm going to assume that they have to have some sort of an income that will allow them to come to this home, but also take care of themselves along the way? The idea is to transition them so that they become independent. Okay. And so therefore, employment is very important mm -hmm. for them to have, but also career exploration, 
Right, because I mean, how many of us really know, even at this age, what we're going to be? We don't. Exactly, <laughs> so don't. it's very important that we set them up in the right place. So we've worked with the YWCA to create a program, a literacy program, where the first part starts with a vision board. Oh, I like that. So we keep their focus on that vision board. When they're triggered, when they're looking at purchasing what's your desire versus your need, mm -hmm. when they want to spend money to do this versus that. Mm -hmm. The vision boards really help them stay focused. A structure, a mental yes. and a visual structure of what they want, they, what they see and they want, they have to work for it. Um, now is this a house that they actually reside in or mm -hmm. they just come and go, they do? Yeah, so there are residents there. Uh, the house that uh, we had, uh, a, a donor in the community that came forward and said that they were willing to work with us. Um, you can probably give a little bit more, but I mean, we pre had a previous house too that just through, you know, God's will and through some church connections we wound up uh, falling into and uh, getting house. Especially now, everybody dealing with the housing crisis that right. we're, we're in. Um, we were in uh, about to end the lease on one house, and this wind up falling in our lap literally one of the two three weeks before our lease up was on the other house. So it wound up being a, again a godsend. Um, but the house is large enough that we're able to have uh, up to ten. Uh, young women in the house and uh, as Leah mentioned as part of the program in order to help you know, with a holistic approach for get establishing maturity establishing credit establishing the next set of life skills um, they do again have to work and we do work them through the programs through a holistic overall view with case management with uh, you know counseling and with life skills training uh, we get them into a job so uh, as Leah's mentioned we can work with them to get GED or any other certificates they may want to work towards. Mm -hmm. um, and that all figures into the time frame on how long they could stay at the house. Uh, and then as they develop a career and grow, uh, they will be in paying rent and it helps establish credit mm -hmm. and also shows them how to balance the checkbook and how to manage their money. And so that when they do move out, they're gonna have a, again, at least some credit to be able to put down uh, on, on an apartment. Do you ever have with them out in the jobs, triggers, we all understand what triggers are, and if you've had trauma, um, you're going to know exactly what those are, and sometimes you can fall back, or put you in a mental state of mind of depression, or suicide. I've had these conversations in other uh, topics with other guests, and those seem to be the two things that we will, that people fall back on, whatever's going on in their life. Um, do you ever have any of these gals come back from working, and have had something happened throughout their day that triggered them and then just spiraled them to where you're not sure that they're gonna get through what they need to why they're in this program daily life da I mean it is it's, daily it's, life it's, it's part of it because <laughs> they are they've been through so much they've never had stable housing mm -hmm. so a lot of it is earning their trust to begin with that we're mm -hmm. there for mm -hmm. true reasons not other than you know providing space for them to live mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to grow and so a lot of our participants, our program is broken up into three sections. So there's information referral. We get calls all the time. Can you help this person? Or they'll call in. And in reality, they don't want to live at our facility. They're on their own okay. and they just need specific services. So our information referral will provide that. Okay. Our other program is the case management for those who are already stable housing wise but they may need a therapist. Mm -hmm. And so ensuring that we're working with therapists that understand trauma is important. Even our volunteers go through trauma training. 
Well, and it's hard to say when something's actually going to say, oh, well, we've got this time frame. You only have this time. It's like a lease. You have six months to figure out how to get all of these things in order and figure out if this is the program that's going to get you to what you say you're needing. Um, do you have a time frame that helps them? Okay, yeah. good. Please tell yeah, me. Yeah, we, we have a, a time frame. I mean, it's six to nine months. Like I said, that it varies depending upon the individual and again where they're in their path mm -hmm. and their goals. Um, and sometimes there can be setbacks, mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned. Um, and I'll kind of uh, elaborate a little bit on that, as, as you said, with this, with this demographic, and the, the, the extreme trauma that they go through in those mm -hmm. retriggerings can occur even after a long-term yes. stability. And and um, we've run across this. We've had a lot of uh, conversations, late night conversations, sometimes when. We've had somebody in the program uh, that has been doing very well, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're gone. They recessed, they quit, oh, they they've left. gone, they just left on oh, their own. Wow. Again, again, they're adult enough, they're eight yeah. over 18, and we're yeah. not gonna hold them. Um, or we get ghosted by them after so many uh, uh, sessions and or starting to get them on through case management, get them on track. Again, we can they can disappear. And a lot of it happens to do with just that feeling of the, the stability they're not used to. Mm -hmm. And um, it is heartbreaking to see that they may even recess back to, uh, again, a prior pimp or, again, like I said, self-trafficking. Um, but as I have to compartmentalize myself and I remind Leah and a lot of our board members and our volunteers that what we're doing here, though, and so we called it a Hope Center, is the CC's Hope Center. We're planting those seeds of hope yes. because that way they know that, again, they are worth more mm -hmm. than, again, their body can offer. So, therefore... We have to let them understand and grow a little bit, maybe in the darkness again, mm -hmm. but eventually they do come back and they say, you know what, they may be with us for a few weeks, a month, and then they may disappear for a few days, mm -hmm. but then they'll come back and realize, okay, you know, this was the better path. So they can come and go? Is there a time frame that they have to be in like 10 o'clock doors are locked kind of thing? Yes, they do have curfews. Okay. Yeah, they at the house, yes. Okay. They, the, our door is secured to where we know who's entering at all times. They all have codes to get in and out so we know when they're coming in and, and leaving out of the house. So I know that we have a final question, but I, I, I really want to know how many... I'm going to assume you've had some, and not just some, several success stories out of these programs. Do you have an example that you can share so that we can give a better idea of not just it being a center to help, this particular situation, but that there's people that have gone, ladies have gone through here and it does work. So I'll, I'll let her tell a story and give you some, some mentors behind it though, that as you said, we've been founded six years ago, but we've really been actively providing services for five. And okay. it really started off on the referral information and informational side uh, until we did get a house and we started growing and actually uh, getting a little bit of a budget underneath us as sure. starting a nonprofit. Uh, so over the last five years, we have provided services to over well over 300 uh, women uh, in those in that time. And through housing, we've been able to stabilize. And what we consider stable is in a career in a, their own house for more than three months. Okay. So that they have been stable. And mm -hmm. so we've done that for more than, uh, I think it's all coming up on 20, almost 20 young women that have gone, you know, I would say graduate from a program and have sought stability. Very nice. So. Very nice. So success stories, yes, we do have some success stories. Um, th so there was one who was with me at the prior location. She was 13 oh my goodness. when she came in. Um, she was at five therapeutic centers throughout the United States. 
She didn't meet the criteria of the organization, but I did speak to a board member and, and she said, ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> so we took her in. Okay. Um, she had cases in a different state, which made it complicated to help her as well. Mm -hmm. And um, she did really well. She came in and out of the issue that whole time. Um, at, then she, after being on her own, she came back and said, my dad is moving out of state. I don't want to go. What should I do? And I said, you can come work for me. And she says, what am I going to do? And I said, I don't know yet. We'll figure that out when that comes, sure. right? Because that's really what this is all about, is meeting them where they are and finding the resources in the community to then help them. Because we don't, we don't have plans for our future. I mean, no. we deal with it as it comes. Yeah. Um, so she did that and uh, did really well as our ambassador. And then she got a job as a director of ops for a house in Florida. She did that. Oh, wow. And then she stepped up from that to become a wealth management. Oh, that is a great success story. She has a child. She was our speaker at our annual event. We have the, Nash, uh, the uh, Night of Light, and we're going to have our third annual this year, but she came this last year, and she spoke about being able to pay $20,000 down on her home mortgage that she's had so she's doing really well she's got a two-year-old little girl as well good for her now she can take those tools and the journey of her life that she had the traumas and be the teacher for her daughter mm -hmm. exactly we talk about generational change yep right wow throughout the program here we've had your contact information so that people can reach out to you um, so I do have a final question for each of you. But before I ask the final question, I do want to ask, is there anything else that I did not ask? Because I don't know this organization. I can only see on the outside what I feel it is by the questions I've asked. Is there anything that I didn't share that you would like to share? I would say other than if you do, anyone in your audience would like to get involved, you can go to our website, again, ccenter.org. And there's a lot of different ways to either volunteer, uh, donations, and again, you know, monetary always always helps. Uh, mm -hmm. That gives us options to provide better programming. Uh, but there's again a myriad of, of ways that we can help these young women. So. We try to employ the survivors as well. Okay. And we actually are volunteer coordinators. She actually her title is director of volunteer engagement in the community. She is a survivor, and so she knows firsthand what people need to know and understand prior to volunteering. And our staff has been involved in the sector as well. Being a voice and an advocate is the best stand and leadership mm -hmm. in an organization. Mm -hmm. So that is wonderful that you do that. Um, I did want to ask real briefly, um, you had mentioned this young lady did not meet the criteria and you, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness later. What is the criteria? Just because we didn't touch upon that, is that something you can share? Well, the criteria at the, at the prior organization was that you had to be in foster care. Okay. And there are many, in fact, I have counselors reaching out to me, therapists, that say, I've got this girl living at home, and she has been with 40 different men, oh my for example. So it's not just individuals that are um, rescued by law enforcement. There are many that are in the homes that just parents don't know where to reach out to. 
I'm assuming that you also have the relationships with the police mm -hmm. um, and fire because they do work together in some instances that they um, have knowledge, not so much trained, but they have knowledge and have mm -hmm. the ability to reach yeah. out to you should they find something mm -hmm. that says this isn't right and that's where we can step in to help that individual. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, thank you. Now my final question. If I was only given one question, me the question person, to ask to get to know someone or to think I know what they're all about, it would be this question. I'll start with you, Leah. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life? I would say don't judge oh. and listen. Yes. Be a good listener. We lack the listening skills. We're quick to actually answer questions yes. and speak our mind. I like to say I'm going to pause on that one when people say that. I like that. Thank you. And for you, what question? It was the same question. So there's a quote that comes to mind that I kind of try to use, um, and I always mess it up. I've tried to memorize it, but <laughs> I never quite memorized it. But it has a, it was a it was a letter from George Washington to uh, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, it was after both of them were uh, out of the presidency. But uh, it was towards George Washington's end of life, and he wrote a letter to again Thomas Jefferson saying that he just hoped that at the end of his life that he would obtain the the hardest of titles, an honorable man. And wow. to me, that's where I believe, because the only thing that we can control in our lives is how we respond mm -hmm. to whatever situations. Mm -hmm. And as long as we can do it with honor and respect mm -hmm. to those around us um, and serving our country and serving our community, mm -hmm. uh, that's the only thing that we can control. So that's why I've been involved in so many nonprofits serving on the city is, um, again, my purpose is to try to restore honor to our community. Well, and that's not surprising to me because I've gotten to know you in the community since I've been here since uh, 2018. You having served twice as the vice mayor as well as council, but then you also served for our government. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you both for your time today, giving me this information. And anyone that's out there wants to know more how to reach Leah and Renee, the uh, website has been provided. And then um, I can also uh, put their email in the description once I post this. Ooh, that's a heavy topic because, again, we're in a season right now here in Arizona of some, mm -hmm. some major stuff getting ready to happen with a lot of trafficking of people. So that's the other reason why I chose this topic right now. With that being said, I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, a global creative agency located right here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, please also email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. <laughs>